Y'all probably know me. I'm Evan Brown. I've been here for 12 years, and I'm going to be reading from Psalm 31, 1 through 8. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, and you have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy, and you have set my feet in a broad place. This is the word of the Lord. Seated. Give us just a moment here. You got a new guitar. Oh. <laughs> I was joking with Matt there. I was like, man, you got a new guitar there, Paul. Matt. And he's like, well, no, that's uh, Paul's right now. So <laughs> that must mean your guitar's on the, on the fritz or something, huh, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> you just wanted a different guitar. <laughs> oh, those creative types. They always want the. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. What a great, great time of, uh, of, of singing of a song. Isn't it ironic that this week, for me, I guess ironic in the sense that this week is uh, 4th of July when we realize and declare and thank, thank God for our independence. And yet this morning, uh, just by the grace of God, he's led me to Psalm uh, 31. And where, if you will, take your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be in Psalm 31 for uh, three weeks, actually. Uh, it's an amazing psalm. And of this week, when we're remembering our independence as a nation, uh, this psalm is a psalm that reminds us of the God that we serve. That there's a declaration whereby we serve him, and it is him that we serve. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our rock. He is our foundation. It is God that we worship. It is God that we serve. And it's a real challenge that as we walk into these Psalms, that we begin to understand. In fact, we find that oftentimes in the Psalms, we kind of identify with them. We identify with them because they speak from where we're at, the difficulties of life, the struggles of life. And at the same time, we find these declarations of faith, these declarations of who God is and how even though everything around us might be sinking around us, yet we find ourselves on solid rock because it is in you, O oh Lord, and you alone that I trust. And that's really going to be our series over the next three weeks, is that we find in the midst of our difficulties and the struggles of this world that it is God that we trust. When we talk about the theme of Psalm 31, it's really a deep personal trust in God, in the times of difficulty. And you know, that's when it matters the most. When the world is pressing in, when the struggles begin to pile up, who do you turn to? 
It's easy to believe God when everything's kind of going the right way, but when things are starting to go wrong and they start to go other way, do you, do you begin to doubt God? Do you begin to buy into the narrative of this world, of our culture? And when they start adding up, when we're tempted to doubt, when we get discouraged, when we are shedding those tears of despair and uncertainty, what happens then? Who do you trust? Where do you go? Who do you rely on? Where do you find faith then? In Psalm 31, it addresses this. It kind of speaks to this. It tells us of, of God and of David who's going through tremendous struggles and difficulties and, and yet in the midst of it, he says, oh God, you are the one I trust. In you I trust. It's you that, is my, that I have my faith in. I take my refuge in you. There's nowhere else to go. And so I pray this morning that as we begin this series that over the next few weeks, that as you get up in the mornings and you put your feet on the floor and as you stand up, you go, God is my refuge. It's in him and him alone whom I trust. I pray that God would, spirit would move in your hearts today and, and, and speak to you as he has to me. Even as I was standing there singing, there was a moment there where I was just like, God, who am I to speak of your greatness and of your worth and, of your, and how worthy you are, that all of us would have a heart and a thirst and a longing to know you and know you personally and to, 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 to genuinely say, it's in you, oh God, you alone that I trust. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I just pray that as we walk into this psalm and as you, you speak to our hearts, as you speak to us today, that, Father, we would have hearts that are ready to hear. That, Father, we would, we would put away those things that seem to lure us away, to begin to distract us from, from, from who you are and who we are in Christ. And that, Father, today, that as we open your text, that, Father, you would speak to us in a profound way that we would remember that it is in you and you alone, oh God, that we trust. I have nothing else. When the ends of my days come, oh God, it's not gonna be what I've accomplished. It's gonna be simply that I knew my God. I trusted in you. And that, Father, we've seen many of you who've gone before us, countless who have come through their days, and Father, who who commit themselves to you, who trust you. And may, Father, this morning, as we open your word, that you would move our hearts and you would remind us of these truths. And that, Father, in the midst of the activities of our lives and our jobs and our families and all of the things that we do, that, Father, we would remember that the thing that we trust is you. It's in you, oh God. So speak to us. Go past all of my own iniquities and my own sins, my own shortcomings and inabilities, that, Father, you would speak to us that we might, as your people, grow in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Psalm 31, in verses 1 through 8, and that's what we'll be looking at for our text today, I think there's about four reasons that, that David goes through about why or how we can trust our God. The first one we see in verses one and two, where David says, I trust that the Lord is my refuge. 
Look, if you will, in verses one and two. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let that rest. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else that I can rest in? Is there, is there anything else that I could put my faith and my trust? David goes on and he says, let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline, verse two, incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge to me, a strong fortress to save me. Right away, you see this declaration of faith that David has, but it's also in the psalm, but it's also a, a lament. David is being pressed in by his enemies on every side, troubles and problems everywhere. And yet in the middle of him, he declares that God is my refuge and that in him alone I have faith. We look to see what's going on in David's life during this psalm. We really don't know. And one of the reasons we don't know is because so many things were going wrong in David's life. A man that was in battle, a man that fell in sin, a man that went through great difficulties and struggles, those who wanted his life, even at times his own son. He had struggles and difficulties all around him. And oftentimes when you read of God's servants going through great trials and difficulties, it's in the midst of those difficulties when God calls from us our greatest things of faith. When I look back at my life, it's through the difficulties when I've learned about my God and I've learned about faith and learned to rest and trust in him. It's in those times and those difficulties when it seems like God calls faith from us. Because either one, you're gonna turn to him or two, you're gonna turn to another way. It's one or the other. If you looked over in verse 13, we'll be looking at that next week, but. It, but I want you to notice over in verse 13, he says, for I hear the whispering of many, listen to these words, terror on every side. Man, does that speak in our time? I mean, I hear people all the time talking about afraid of the economy or afraid about their job or afraid about what's going on in the world and the culture, everything. We have terror all around us. Things seems like more and more people walking away from God, more and more people walking away from the truth of God's word, redefining the gospel, redefining the very principles of our faith. And we see it all about us and it's all around. And David here is saying, hey, there's great terror. Why? Because there's people who are seeking me. They scheme against me. They plot to take my life. And then verse 14, he says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. How powerful. How powerful. In the times of difficulty, where do you turn? You know, when you look at verses one and two again, you see a picture, a strong picture of, of refuge. Where David says in verse two there, he says, incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. He describes his reliance on God, but also his deep security in what God is doing in his life. 
When we say God is our refuge, it's not like a temporary shelter. I remember when I was in Maine, I'm gonna get to go back here in a um, month or two. They're having a big celebration. I'm really excited about it. But I remember this one guy, his name was Paul, and Paul said, hey, let's go fishing. I said, great, we're gonna fish from my canoe, and we're gonna start up here. Well, we're driving up the river, and you park one vehicle up there and the other vehicle down where you're gonna get in, and we're driving up, and I'm like, man, it looks pretty cloudy. Is there a storm blowing in? He said, oh, no, we'll beat the storm. Well, we kept going past the first point, and then there was another point they let in at, and then there was a third point, and he goes, oh, no, we'll have enough time. Well, we got about halfway, and it just started, you know, water's filling up in the boat, and, you know, like, we're trying to paddle and keep water out. It was just never been on a river that, where I was just, it was just raining so hard, and I'll never forget, we, we kind of pulled into the side, and we grabbed the boat, dumped the water out, throw it on the top and got it on the truck. And, and then we drove and got to the place where we were staying at. And we got to that spot and we got in under this cover and we're watching the rain. And there was this peace for that moment, right? There was a refuge for a second. We're not talking about a temporary refuge here with our God. We're talking about a permanent refuge. We're talking about when we say God is our refuge, he's, he's everything. Do I trust him in, in my finances? Do I trust him in my life? Do I trust him in my work? Do I trust him in the things that I'm doing? Do I trust him with my family? Do I trust him with all of these things? Because God is my refuge. And we cry with our being and we say, Lord, I trust you with my life. And it's when we get to that place that we trust God with our life that fear doesn't take over because we trust him. When you find people who are bold and you go over there and, you, and Greg met John Israel who was this missionary over in, in, in the middle, in middle East and, and I remember John, you know, him talking about John. He just doesn't fear anything. Why? Because God is his refuge. And we in America, we need to be a people who find our de declaration in this week when we're celebrating our great country. Yes, but we also need to celebrate and remember and declare that it is God who is our refuge. He is our strength. In him alone I trust, and he is my God. We need to be a people and understands who we are, that we are God's people in every day each and every day, trust him with that. Trust him all the way into eternity that he is my refuge, my deliverance. When he says I'm a, to be a rock of refuge to me, he's talking about that reliance and that security. He makes a phrase there in the last part of verse one that really jumped out at me. In your righteousness, deliver me. I love that statement. That when God is your refuge, you trust in his righteousness. That my trust here today isn't in, in how much I made it to church or how many times I read my Bible or how many things that I've done. My trust is in the righteousness of God that he has revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter one, verse 17, it says, for in it, and it's referring to the gospel when you look at the context, for in the gospel, the righteousness God is revealed from faith for faith. And the judge has written, the righteous shall live by faith. We stand here, I stand here with nothing before you today except I stand in faith in the righteousness of Christ. And David, understanding this in this psalm, he says, 
He says, your righteousness deliver me. Cover me, God, in your righteousness. And when you are found in the refuge of God's righteousness, you are found refuge from death itself because you have trusted him. He is my refuge. His righteousness covers me. My home isn't my refuge. My bank account isn't my refuge. My family isn't my refuge. My job isn't my refuge. Discovering myself isn't my refuge. My refuge is the Lord Almighty. From everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, there is none like him, for he alone is God, and in him I take refuge. I trust in the Lord, my God. God is my refuge. It's how we endure this life, because we know that he is our deliverer. In verses three and four, I think he gives us another reason why we trust David talks here about him being, being able to trust him, trust God as my guide. I trust you, Lord, as my guide. Look at verses three and four. He kind of repeats verses one and two a little bit, but notice. He says, for you are my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have set for me or hidden for me. For you are my refuge. David, David builds up here and he understands the refuge of God. When you look back in the days of, of David, when they built a refuge, where they built a fort, it was based on, on the wall, how thick the wall was. The thicker the wall and the taller the wall, the more of a fortress that they were in, the more protected, the more safe they were. And here's this picture that God is our refuge. And you know what? His walls can't be destroyed. He can't be knocked down. When God is our refuge, when God is our fortress, we stand in his his hand. He is our deliverer. He is our God. And he will be there. And he will see us through because he is our God. And nothing destroys his walls. That's the picture that he's drawing out when he says, God is my refuge. You are my rock. You are my refuge. Picture yourself inside there. Sometimes what happens is we start looking at the temporary things of the world. We get discouraged. Troubles come. Pains come. We get distracted by the accusations of the world. It gets our vision off God and we become susceptible to forget who we are in Jesus. And if you are in Christ this morning, if you have trusted him and received him in your life, you are in a fortress that cannot be defeated. Standing in the righteousness of God. I've read the end. I know what's coming. Our God is victorious. And he is our refuge. In fact, when you look at verse 4, when you read it, it says, take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. This picture is like of a hunter who's pursuing his prey and setting up traps, setting up these, these, these ways of, to catch these animals, right? So it's the same picture. 
David is talking about those that are pursuing him, his enemies, his adversary. Can we be clear this morning? We have an adversary. And we have an adversary that is seeking after God's people. We know from the Gospel of John that he seeks to kill and to steal and to destroy. What that means is this morning, if you're here and you're part of the people of God, if you receive Christ into your life, you have an adversary who wants to destroy you. He wants to do everything he can to get you to forget who God is, to forget who you are in Jesus Christ. And we like to talk about our identity in Christ. He wants you to forget who you are in Jesus. He wants to distract you. He wants to lure you away that he might destroy you. And we need to understand that more than ever before in my lifetime, not that I've lived a long time, but I've lived long enough that more than any other time in my life, I'm seeing God's people getting lured away. Who start listening to the narratives of our world. Who start telling them that God really doesn't care about the way you live. Or that the word of God isn't the way that you think. In fact, the writers who wrote it didn't even understand the scriptures. We've heard those things. And people in the church and God's people are beginning to believe those things and they're being lured away. God forbid at NBC. God forbid, we're gonna teach the word. We're gonna open up this book. We're gonna look at it because it is the foundation which instructs us about who our God is. And if God is my refuge and if God is the one who I trust, I need to know him. And the word of God teaches me that, that I might be on the right path, that I might be on the same path as with him because he's the one who guides me out of those traps. He guides me away from, the, from being lured away into the falsehood from building my house on a sinking sand to standing on a rock who is my fortress and who is my God. Dear people of God, let us not be deceived. Let's understand the battle that we're in and if we do not trust him, we will be led astray. We need to be a people who plant the flag, pull it out and slam it down. In God I trust. There's no one else. And please forgive my intensity, but dear people of God, I'm tired of watching God's people walk away from the truth of his word, walking away from Christ, walking into the lies of our adversary and being deceived and destroyed. I know life is tough. And it is difficult, but we don't find it in our own way. We find it in the truth of his word. And David says, lead me, guide me for your name's sake, that all would know that you are God. You are my refuge. You are my guide. Lead me into truth and your righteousness. So the question I would ask is how many of you here right now are being lured away. That you've allowed that little creep of uh, uh, deceit, that doubt, to just lure you in and to begin to embrace, to begin to wonder. And what I say to you is to stand in the righteousness of your God and declare your faith and your trust in him.
Dear people of God, if there's a time for an amen, that was it. Amen. And the reason is, is why I think it's so important that sometimes we affirm is because we affirm what we believe. And if we just kind of walk and go, yeah, it sounds good, that sounds good, we believe nothing. And there's a time for us as a God's people to understand the God that we serve and declare it to be true. And when we say amen, we're just simply saying, I agree. It is true. It is true. Verses six and seven, or verse, I'm sorry, I just about jumped verse five. We don't want to do that. It's a great verse. Verse five, we learn as well that I will trust God with my spirit. Look at it in verse five. He says, into your hand, David's crying here, into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Into your hand, I've commit my spirit, my everything, my being, I commit to you, O God. So many times in life, we kind of go about life, and the way that we go about life is when we need God, we need him. When we don't need God, we don't need him. Think about what I just said. You know, we kind of go through life, and, and, and when we're, we're in trouble, where we think we need God, we run to God, and immediately, and we need him. We need, oh God, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And the rest of life is just a string of just self-indulgent and life live for self. And then all of a sudden something happens and oh God, we run back to him. So when we need him, we need him. And when we don't need him, God, just kind of stay over there. Let me live my life as I please. And David says, Lord, to you I commit my spirit. He's not talking about I just commit this good part of my life where whenever I have a bad time, I commit that to you, God. I commit when I've fallen into to sickness or if I've fallen into difficulty where, where we've started having financial problems. Now I need you, God. I need you to come and answer this. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about, God, I commit my spirit regardless of what's going on around me because you alone I trust. When we live that life like that and we just kind of grab God here and and we kind of want to live the way we please until we need him, that's just a whole lot of nothing. When we pursue God only when we think we need him and the rest of life is nothing but just what we want to do, that is far from what this text is talking about here. Into my hand, into your hand, I commit my spirit. In fact, it's interesting that idea of God's hand in the scriptures when he says that I, I come into your hand, I commit my spirit. I trust in your hand. 121 times in scriptures is the hand of God referred to. 121 times. Can you believe that? So I want to show a few of them here. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, there it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Have you ever done that with water? You scoop it up and there's, there's just, you know, you can't hold a whole lot, but you just kind of scoop it up. Here's the picture of God just scooping up all the waters. Who has measured them? God has done that. The hand of God. In Psalm 95, it says, in verse five, it says, the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Isn't that interesting? It kind of takes care of all of it, the water and the land. He has formed it. That's two verses. We only got 119 more to go. 
Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the what? The work of your hand. We are the work of your hand. In other words, when you cover land and sea, you've covered who's crafted, who's made. Job 12, verse 10 says, Into his, in his hand is the life of everything living or every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Kind of sums it up. And that is a hand I am willing to give my life to. The hand that holds onto me, the hand that keeps me. Do you believe in Jesus? Then commit your spirit to him. All of you, all of you, into the unstoppable, all-powerful, unconditional, loving hand of God. It's part of the grace of God in your life. Commit all of you. Remember Jesus on the cross? Remember what he said? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last, his last words. Remember Stephen and Acts? He's getting stoned for preaching the truth. And he says, Lord Jesus, as he's about to pass, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, all of me. Throughout history, many of God's people who have gone before us in great trial cried out, into your hands I commit my spirit, all of me, because you are my God and I trust you. I was always amazed by John Huss and just his, his, his tremendous faith to preach truth. There came a point where they would take it no more. He would not recant. So they put him on his knees and they began to put wood around him to burn him at the stake. All the way up to his neck. The bishop that was conducting the ceremony said this, now we commit thy soul to the devil John Huss replied, I commit my spirit into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unto thee I commit my spirit, which thou have redeemed. God has redeemed us. Into him we, we commit our spirit. In him we trust, and we trust him alone. Dear people of God, is God our refuge? Is he the one I trust? I trust him. Is he my guide? I trust him to guide is he the one in which I commit my spirit, my soul, my everything? I trust him. Verses six through eight gives us again another reason why we trust God. We trust him because he loves us personally. Think about this. This is powerful. I hope I can get through this. In verse six, he says, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord I rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. David says, hey, I rejoice in God's steadfast love. Think about it. Do you, do you rejoice in God's love? I mean, stop and think about this. That God 
loves you. And David says, I rejoice not just in your love, but your steadfast love. Why does David rejoice? I think he, you just kind of follow the you haves here in the text. Not what I'm saying, just look what it says. He says, because you have seen my affliction. I rejoice in your love because you're not a distant God. Yes, you're high and you're lifted up and there's none like you, full of majesty and glory, and yet at the same time, you're with me. You see our affliction. God sees your affliction, your troubles, your difficulties. Have you gone through a lot this week? Maybe even today? You walked in here today, maybe you feel at the end of your rope and the afflictions and the world of this and the struggles of this world are just pressed in. God sees it. None of it goes unnoticed. None of it. He knows every breath. He knows everything that you're going through. It's why we love him, because he loves you. He goes on, he says, you have, known my, you have seen my affliction and you have known, I like, you have known the distress of my soul. Paul, uh, sorry, David here is praying. He says, I rejoice in God's steadfast love because he knows when my soul is distressed. He knows when I'm hurting. He knows when I'm frustrated. He knows when I'm discouraged. He sees our tear. He sees everyone that hits and drops off of our face. He hears our cries. He sees, he knows, and he cares. He cares. Who else can say that? This, this just blew me away. Who else can say that? So many people misjudge us. They don't know us. They blame us. They accuse us. And they just flat out don't understand us. But God sees and knows all. God never misjudges us. He never misunderstands us. He knows our difficulties. He knows our affliction. He knows the distress of our lives. He understands it. He's there. The one who was tempted in every way like us and yet without sin, he sympathizes. The reason he knows what we're going through is because he walked this earth, the God-man, Jesus Christ. It's why we can trust him. In verse eight, he has two you haves there that kind of put them together. You have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. And when you look at this, David's facing much affliction from his enemies and they're coming after him. And it's kind of like he's being pressed in and there's no place else to go and kind of get closer. And we've all been there, right? Like where you feel like you can't go any further and you don't have anywhere else to go. And yet God delivers us and he says, he put my feet in a broad space. I can sidestep. 
I can move. I'm not closed in anymore because God is my refuge. God delivered me and he set my feet in a broad place. In Jesus Christ, God has delivered us. The narratives of this world and the philosophies of this world change and they come and they go, but God is the same from everlasting to everlasting. From yesterday to today, he does not change. He loves you, he holds you, and he keeps you. In Christ, he has delivered you and placed you in his hand, the hand that measured the waters, the hand that formed the land, the hand that took and formed you. Into your hand he places you. Though I may be overwhelmed with struggles and difficulties in you, O Lord, my God, my God alone, in him I serve. There's no other God. There's no one else to serve. You are my refuge, you are my guide. In your hands I commit my spirit for you personally know me and love me, care for me. Amen? Amen. To him be the glory and the praise and the honor forever and ever and ever. To him be the glory. Amen? So... We are going to end this service a little differently today. Normally, I just pray and we walk off and that would be kind of it, but there's a couple of things we need to do. Uh, one is we have our Ecuador team that is leaving this Saturday to go to Ecuador, and I'm going to have that team here in a minute come up, and we want to pray over them. We also know that Greg will be returning tomorrow. I believe that's right. I think Susan's over. Yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, she's, he's returning tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah, so he'll be back. So we want to thank God for that. Third thing here, too, is I want us just to realize that this morning as we went through this, and I don't know how this morning looking at these passages impacted you, but I want you to know this week they've impacted me greatly, just ingrained in me again the truth of what I hold as I have walked through my life, each step I take, each step of faith I take, God just teaches me more and more about himself and who I am in Christ. And maybe you're there this morning, maybe you're carrying troubles and you just felt overwhelmed. There'll be people up here you can pray with. So what we're gonna do, so I'm gonna have the Ecuador team come on up. And uh, I know a couple of our elders are here. Come on up, don't be afraid. Alan, I don't know where, yeah, he's on the camera. Come on up. Just come up here on the front. Let me grab a mic. Turn this mic on, if you would. Um, and I, <clears throat> Have them come up. I want to, if you're on the prayer team, like you to come off to one side or the other, if you would, just to be available. I know I'm doing this really different, and I just thought of it. The people around me just... They just get used to me doing these kinds of things sometimes. It's over here, over there. And I want to do two things. I want to invite you up to pray over the team. I'm going to ask Paul here. It's live. I want to ask Paul here in a minute to pray over the team. But if you were being moved and God was speaking to you and you need someone to pray with, I want you to go to these while we're praying too, okay? And go to them, just have them pray. So let's have a time of prayer. 
Come on up, put your hand on the team. Let's, let's, let's pray for them if you would like to come on up, all right? If you don't come up, we'll just stand up here and do it ourselves, but I'll start calling some of you up. Some deacons, y'all, come on up. Just start moving. If you need to pray with somebody, that's fine. Go ahead. Let's put a hand on his shoulder. All right. Heavenly Father, we just uh, entrust this group into your care, Father. Yes. We pray that you would give them travel mercies, that you would give them safe passage, Father. And Father, in them heading to an area, Father, that is just largely unreached. Ecuador is not always a poor country, but where they're headed to Highland Chimborazo, is a area, Father, that's destitute. It's an area, Father, that is full of politics, full of oppression, and full of Satan, Father. I pray, Father, that this group would just be a light, that they would see the Lord Jesus, Father, in their presence, that they would see the love and the service and the unity of this group, Father, reaching kids, in ways that are just profound, Father. As they do the shoe ministry, Father, and as they share a new pair of boots and socks for these children, Father, I pray that it wouldn't be physical needs only that are met, but that they would be profoundly touched, Father, with what this really represents, which is our Lord Jesus Christ there in their presence, Father. I pray, Father, that as they do VBS, that the kids, just like they did here this week, Father, would just be encouraged and they would be touched by the love and by the enthusiasm, Father, of this group. I pray that they would see themselves in this group, Father. And Father, I just pray that you would work in a mighty way, that you would just work in advance of this group going down there. I pray that, that you would just be working to prepare hearts. And I pray, Father, that... Um, this group would come back never the same again, Father, mm. for the opportunity to be your hands and feet. This we pray in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's my life. All right, folks. I, what I want, you don't have to run off real quick. Go ahead. If um, you want to come up, encourage them, please do that. If you need to pray with somebody, we have our folks that like to pray. And better quit swinging my arms. I'll hit somebody. Hey, is our God good? Amen. Amen. I pray that you go out this week and that you're encouraged in the truth of God's word about who he is and who you are in Christ. To him be the glory. Thank you guys.